Amen. Good morning. One week left to summer. But, you know, our government might just give us a few extra weeks. <laughs> I'm not going there, though. I won't go there. Amen. want to, um, let's turn to Psalms 13. As I was reading this and kind of just going through a couple commentaries, one of the, the they, they call this the, the howling psalm. As we read it, I think you'll probably can just envision, this is the psalm of David. I can just see David howling. But I want to talk today about guarding your dream. Now, I'm not talking about a, a daydream that you just have and, oh, that would be nice. I'm talking about a dream that God puts into your heart. A, a a dream like that can come through a word of prophecy that's said over you. It can come in a literal dream, like, like Joseph had, a literal dream he saw. A couple of them, actually. It can come through a vision. It can come through your passions. That put, God puts something in your heart, and you have a dream. And... Whoever you want to call the enemy wants to snatch that from you. He wants to kill that in you. And we've been talking, going through several psalms, and, and before that there was a, a few sermons from, from the life of David. And as I continued reading on, from David's amazing Goliath experience. He had just been anointed to be king, the next king. Next chapter, he kills Goliath. Chapter 17. Do you know what happens in the next 13 chapters? The next 13 chapters are David running. David being harassed. And it's in those 13, ch uh, sep 13 chapters, well, wow, that Psalms 13 comes out of. <laughs> I'm a numbers guy. On our bike ride, I kept telling David, okay, in about one hour we should be here, and in about three hours we should be there, so we, I'm going to be eating dinner at. And then... Oh, we only did this many kilometers in this hour? Okay, we're, we, we're, we're behind the pace. Psalms 13, how long will you forget me? Do we have that up there? Can we get that? How long can you hear David howling? How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How many of you have a dream? And sometimes, how long, God? How long? How long will you hide your face from me? In Scripture, the idea of showing God showing His face is His favor. How long will you hide your favor from me, God? Verse 2. How long will I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? The NIV says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? How long? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? How I think we probably can all relate. When, when God gives us a dream, a passion, lesson number one, it will always be tested. Always be tested. But count it. Oh, no, we don't want to count it all. That's the last place we want to go. It's how long. I think the how long is not only because we have such a passion to see lives changed, to see this passion, this, this vision come about, because we know how much good it will do. And so there's this, how long, God, I want this. But it's all, how long do I have to deal with the testing and the trying? And here is David, the next king. And he gets javelins thrown at him. <laughs> he is soothing. He is bringing the presence of God into this room where this king is being tormented and he is playing and worshiping and bringing the presence of God into this situation and he the king tries to murder him the king Saul gives David well first of all he was promised the oldest daughter and King Saul kind of gave her to someone else. It says in, I think, chapter 18 or 19, Saul, he's, he's jealous and he's threatened. People will feel threatened by you in some capacity. This is Saul. I'm going to give David Michael, my daughter, because she'll be a snare to him. There's some great reading 
I challenge you, the Bible's <laughs> but Samuel, book of first book of Samuel. You'll have distractions. Whatever it, whoever, whatever will will distract try to distract you from the dream that God puts into you. Create a snare so that you the dream will not be fulfilled. Actually, I was going to tell this story. There, there. I I'd read this is a long time ago when I was preparing for a sermon like twenty years ago. Can you imagine that long ago? But I, I remembered it this week for some reason as I was preparing. So there's a story of these two soldiers. And the story is about these two soldiers, but they, they found that this was in many different situations. And it was, this particular story was the Vietnam War. Prisoners of war would be taken. And as, as they, they rescued these soldiers, they would find some of the soldiers curled up in a fetal position, dead in their cell. They had lost hope. They had lost the dream of freedom. They would come across another cell that they would open, and the soldier would walk out, saying, I knew you were coming. I've been keeping my mind active. This is the, the testimony of these soldiers. I've been keeping my mind active. Whatever activity I could do, I've been exercising. I've been keeping my muscles I've been eating the food that's been provided, whatever little food there was. But I've been waiting because my dream was freedom. And in the very next cell, curled up in a fetal position, a dead soldier had just lost it. He had given up on the dream. Lost all their hope. Just forsook the food that was given. Had given up. And that is what the enemy of your dream is going to try to do to you. He wants you to give up on the call, on the passion, on the vision that God has placed in you. He wants to distract you. He wants to torment you. He wants to harass you so that you just say, why bother? Why am I doing this? I might as well just give up now and just leave all the headaches behind. Let's turn to, to chapter 27 of 1 Samuel. And look at what David does after, after uh, 10 chapters of being chased. Can we get 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1? Look at what David says. After being harassed and challenged... Then David said to himself, Now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. The King James says, And David said in his heart, Great victory. Then months of chasing had exhausted David. 
exhaustion. He became weary. The challenge was just too much. And David said in his heart, the New Living Translation says, but David kept thinking to himself. David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. David had received a word. The prophet Samuel had anointed him. And here was David now saying the opposite of what God had said. How many of us have reached the point where we are now thinking opposite of what has God has spoken over you. How many of us have come to the place it's never going to happen? It's never going to happen. And it's directly opposed to what God has spoken to you. But we get weary. We get exhausted. We just get worn out. We just get tired. How long? How long? How long? I want you to show you some of the steps that happened to David. First one is, there is nothing better. Can you imagine? The next king saying, there is nothing better for me but to run away. How many of you just want to escape sometimes? This is just too hard. There's too much paperwork. There's too much opposition. There's too many haters. I'm just going to go, and I'm just going to he goes to Philistine, the enemy. And he goes to the king, and this is, he says, just give me a small little town in the background where I won't be noticed, where I can just blend in. <laughs> I've, I've laughed because I've said, I've said before, so please excuse my weakness. God, can I just go to church where I just sit on the back row? You know, when the, the pastor says the prayer at the end, I can just go out the back door, go to my car and go home, and then there's nothing during the week. And I can just, I can just blend in. This is David. 
the next king, the great calling, the great dream. I just want to blend in. I just want to go somewhere where nothing is expected of me. David, the one who just killed Goliath, who just said, the battle is the Lord's, who had just said, what are you guys doing? This uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine, why are you afraid? Come on, guys. And he had just mustered up the greatest victory. I just want to escape. There's nothing better for me. Just escape. Then just this Saul will just get, ain't going to come here. There's nobody who's going to harass me here. You know, David. David. Next chapter. Chapter 28. We got that one. Chapter 28. I just want to show you this progression over the over three chapters here. Now it came about in those days, he's now living in the land of the Philistines, that the Philistines gathered their armed camps for war to fight against Israel. And Achish, who was the king of the Philistines, said to David, Now assuredly, know assuredly that you will go out with me in the camp, you and your men. Verse 2. David said to Achish, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. David's calling himself now the servant of Achish. And Achish said to David, Very well. He answered the same very thing. I will make you my bodyguard for life. What has happened? What has happened? David has gone now just from, I need to escape the noise. He's now blending in. He's now given up on the dream. And now we have the enemy saying words over David. Instead of God speaking over your dream, breathing life into your dream, we get to the point where people are saying things over us. Have you had people say things over you? Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, we, we thought that's where you were going with your life, and now I, I guess it just ain't going to happen now, is it? Oh, man, you really messed up. I guess you can forget about that. Oh, you just went too far this time. I guess you're no good for this. And we go from weariness and exhaustion 
And we just want to escape, and then pretty soon we're getting words spoken over us. And here, David, I don't think David intended to go fight against Israel. I don't think that was ever his intention, was to be lining up, fighting against Israel. The, the, the people that he was supposed to be king over. Four chapters earlier, he was saying to his servants, don't kill King Saul. Nobody can lift their hand against the Lord's anointed. And now we have king of the Philistines saying, come on, come on, David, we're going to war against Israel, and you're going to be my bodyguard. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a situation that we had never planned on, that we had never envisioned but we've allowed people to speak over us. Just, and they get there. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll, I'll say it. They, they get their meat hooks into you. <laughs> they just, and, and you're going like, hold it. I, I, I was never in your camp. I was never on your side. And, but you get drawn in. Weariness and exhaustion. Next chapter. Now we have the princes of the Philistines talking to their king. And they're saying, hold on, Achish. We're, you know, we're your princes and we're going out to war and you want to bring the Hebrew. No, that's the next verse. I want the next chapter. That's okay. Next verse, 2. And the lords of the Philistines were proceeding on by hundreds and thousands, and David and his men were proceeding in the rear guard with Achish. Next verse. Listen. And the commanders of the Philistines, what are these Hebrews doing here? Sometimes <laughs> the ungodly no better than you where you should be. <laughs> Sometimes the ungodly can see the calling on your life better than you can because you get to a point of just so, um, so mingling in that you look out of place. You've blended so well that you look out of place. And here we have the lords of the Philistines, the princes, coming and saying to their king, hold on, we can't take David. He was a servant of Saul. He's actually his, the son-in-law, and he's going to just turn around in the battle. And I bet you at that point in time, David is, is like, oh, thank you, Lord, <laughs> getting me out of this jam, because I don't think he anticipated this. Verse 3, next one. Then said the princes, or sorry, verse 3, sorry, go back. I, I didn't get, um, this is what the, the king says. He says, I have found, 
Now, I, this, this is amazing. I have no foul, fault in him from the day that he deserted. Can you see this slope that David's gone on? The king of the enemy is now saying, David has deserted to me. And again, I don't think David anticipated in chapter 27 when he said, How long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh God? I got to. But sometimes we can grow so weary. We get so exhausted. We get so harassed. And I just, I believe in this, David got careless with his dream. And I want to give you five, five things. I, <laughs> it's, it's funny because um, on day one of my bike ride, I was thinking about this verse. David said in his heart, David said in his heart, David, David wrestled with these thoughts. And, and what I want to do, I want to give a plug here for reading your Bible. Because as I thought about people giving up on their dreams, we get this wrestle in our mind. What's the use? We, we start saying things in our hearts and in our minds that are completely opposite to what God has said over us. And we start absorbing this negative thought process against what God has spoken. And as I was writing, and I'm thinking, God, David just kept saying over and over in his mind, Saul's going to get me. And he's supposed to succeed Saul. So how can Saul get him? But he had made himself, he got to the point where he believed his wrestle and his thought process. And just as that, this verse from when I was a kid was, speak to yourself psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speak to yourself psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And as I was writing, we had hours and hours to think. I began thinking how many of us actually speak to ourselves psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
How often do we sit evening after evening, drive after drive, filling our minds with psalms and hymns? How many of you drive in your car and listen to the radio? And we buy CDs that are, well, I'll just say it, just ungodly. <laughs> Brenda told me this morning, you can just shoot straight today. But we fill our minds with garbage. Day after day after day, we are flooded, whether it's on the internet, on the TV, on the radio, what videos, CD, what we are filling our minds with garbage and negative talk, and everything gets watered down, everything gets missy, mishy mushy, and we have no back, backbone because we've just been filling ourselves with garbage. And David, after days and months and probably years of running, has become exhausted. And he now he is starting to believe everything that Saul has been saying over him. All the complaining that he's heard from his men that have been following him. And he's beginning to believe the anti-God word. And now he's actually believing it himself. And he says, Saul is going to get me. And how many of us, instead of feeding our dream, feeding our calling, are literally, literally undercutting our calling. We are literally hacking away day after day from, because of garbage. And the garbage washes away under the foundation. The negativity, the the subtle attacks against God's Word. Little things that we, we just kind of accept. Okay, that's not really wrong. Okay, I, I can kind of see some sense in that. Okay, we could, we could tolerate that. And subtly... Slowly, our dreams are undercut and the foundation gets washed away under the dream and the calling. And pretty soon, we are talking like the anti-God crowd. And the word that has been spoken to us by God, the dream that has been implanted by God is being destroyed. And we get to a point where we just curl up into our fetal position and give up. 
we give up. Because we've allowed, we've allowed the harassing, we've allowed the mingling, we've allowed the watering down, and pretty soon we're believing the lies. We're believing the lies. Ephesians chapter 5, I want to, in close, as we come to a close, I'm not done yet. Again, I think David never intended. But I want to read Ephesians chapter 5. Not, um, yeah, you know what? Let's just read the whole thing. It's really good, all of it. Therefore, be imitators of God. <laughs> That's really good right there. There, that's all. We're done. <laughs> Verse 2. And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave up himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Verse 3. We're just going to go quickly because, but this is really good stuff. Uh, but immorality or any impure or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness. You know, I, I remember this talk from my principal at school because we were always doing stupid things. And he said, yeah, no silly talk. I, I, no silly talk. Come on. We have to have some fun. But you realize, oh, I, you know, I'm going to sound like Daryl Steves here soon. <laughs> Wow. Silly talk or coarse gesturing. Do you, do you realize, if, if you're not careful, silly talk turns into coarse gesturing and into filthiness. And I don't want to sound like a prude or a joy sucker or whatever, but, but we, we're going to get to it. We have to be careful we have to be careful with, what the, with the seed that God puts in us. Do you realize how fast children can get carried away? How fast we can get carried away. We need to be careful. We're going to get to that. Okay, next verse. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man. So he's just talking about the first two verses, the two verses ahead of us. The filthiness, the greed, the impurity. Um, has no inheritance in the kingdom. That's really interesting when you start putting some of these things together. Next verse, six. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath. Here, here's the empty words. Oh, you know what? God doesn't really hate that. Oh, God, God's not, you're not going to die. You're not going to lose your calling. Come on. Those, now, those are empty words. Come on. You know what? We can talk this way. We can say those things. Come on. It's okay. And he says, don't, don't let anyone deceive you. Don't, don't deceive, be deceived with empty words. Because, uh, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Next verse. 
I hadn't planned to read this whole chapter. Therefore, do not be... Wow. Don't even get involved with them. <laughs> that, now, that, that one just talks for itself. For you were formerly darkness. That's what all that stuff ahead of us, you know, three, four, five, six, and seven. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk. Walk as children of the light. There's something to... You know, David, an Israelite, was not supposed to fit in with the Philistines. God had nev- did not create the nation of Israel in the Old Testament to fit in. He did not create the nation of Israel to blend in, to co-mingle. They were never called to do that. That was never the intention. God wanted a people, a peculiar, peculiar, thank you, not a strange, but a different type of nation. They were not supposed to blend. They were not, you might not like this word, they were not supposed to tolerate. There was not. Okay. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Next. Ten. Trying to learn what is pleasing. This should be our constant goal. God, what is pleasing to you? Eleven. Do not, again, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. But (laughs) instead, even expose them. You know, be a tattletale. We all like those, you know? All right, 13. We're, We're getting close to my actual point, but this is all really good points. 13. Oh, sorry, 12. Sorry. Sorry, Cleo, you're doing a good job. You're, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them. You, TV is filled nowadays with the stuff that should never have been, that was never talked about 20, 30 years ago. And sometimes it's embarrassing watching comic. We call them comedies, funny shows. And they're disgusting. And they're horrifying. And they're disgraceful. It's amazing how God's word is just so true. 13. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. 14. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper. (laughs) and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine on you. That's amazing. Verse 15 is where I, my first point. (laughs) I'm sorry I did it again. I just, but we're going to, five points here. Therefore, be careful. Point number one. Be careful careful. King James says, circumspect. 
The word means exactly. We are so mediocre. We are so average. But point number one, guarding your dream. Be accurate. Some of the grading systems are not accurate. Some of our little leagues are just average. But our Christian life needs to be exact. Guarding your dream. Be diligent about it. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. Next verse, 16. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time, verse 16. It means to make the best. Well, something happened there. Making the most. Well, I don't know what happened. I'll tell it to you. Might redeeming the time, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. Is there a slide? God gives us opportunities, and sometimes because we are careless. Because we are not diligent, it escapes. But point number two, as we are careful, make the most of every opportunity that is given you. I am on the, the back half of 40 where I'm getting close to 50. And you get to that point, and all of a sudden, the, the guy that had so much time and so much energy and so much is starting thinking, okay, I've, I've wasted something. I've wasted some. God tell, wants us redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity that comes across your way. Be careful, be diligent, redeem the time. Next verse. So then do not be foolish, but understand the will of God. Too many times, the word understand is actually think. And it means put two and two together. It means join these dots, connect the dots. Too many of us get just involved in activities, and then before we know it, we realize too late, oh, that had nothing to do with the dream that God gave me. I've gone so far down this road, it has added nothing to the dream. 
and we, we lost an understanding. We didn't think about this draining us or drawing us away. And before we know it, the, the, the dream is three blocks over. Because we did not understand. To set. Understand means to set or join together. It means put two and two together. It means think about it. How many times do we just get drawn away? We're in a conversation, and all of a sudden the conversation has got so far offside because we weren't thinking. We weren't understanding. We need to understand. We need to walk carefully. We need to redeem the time, make the most of every opportunity. We need to understand, think about what we're getting involved in. Next, do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is allowing the Spirit to lead you. Not the fun of the moment. The conversation, the topic of the moment carries us away. It means to be filled means there's room for nothing else. Be filled with the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to influence you. And that helps guard your dream. And finally, verse 19, speaking to yourself. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I looked up the word, the spiritual songs. It talks about praise. Last week, Pastor David talked about praise. What are you speaking to yourself? What controls your thinking? Guarding your dream. Guarding that word that God spoke over you. Guarding the passion that God has deposited. That seed. That seed that God put. God wants you to guard it. God wants you to be careful. Be careful. Make the most of every opportunity God gives you. Think. Try to discern the will of God before you just go full blast into something. Be filled with the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to influence 
and control. Be filled with Him. There's no room for anything else. And then constantly be filling, speaking, meditating on God's Word. And the passion and the dream, it might seem long, but if you guard it, you hold on to it, you protect it, if you feed it, we see David, he got kicked out of the army, and he goes back to Ziglag, his little quiet place out of the way. And it's gone. His little place of peace. Everything gone. Burned. Destroyed. And all his people wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. The next king. The next king. They wanted to stone him. Stone him. It says the people were in anguish. It means they became bitter. The people that were following David became bitter. And they wanted to stone him. And it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Encourage. He got closer to God than he had ever got before. He, it literally means to tighten, to bind together. He realized what I'd been doing. This slippery slope that I had allowed myself to get on had cost him his dream. These people now want to kill me. Not only did Saul, but now my literal followers, my support, they want to kill me. The dream... Be sure the dream will be tested, but the dream will never go away. God's word never go away. It is always there. It's never too late. You may feel this morning that, how long, oh God, and now it's just too late. It's gone. It's never too late. It's never too late. That passion, that vision, that word that God spoke over you, it will not die. There's always, always the opportunity to turn your thought process, your heart, your life, 
your soul, your spirit. You turn it around. Say, God. God, I may have lost hope, but you never lost hope. I may have given up, God, but you have never given up. I have maybe lost my way, but you never, God, lost me. And in a heartbeat, just think of Joseph. Joseph, a slave, a servant in the jailhouse. It took literally three hours. If you think that maybe it's a long road back, Joseph, three hours. The cupbearer says to Pharaoh, I remember a guy who can interpret dreams. They got him out of the jail. They washed him up. They shaved him. They cleaned him up. He goes in front of Pharaoh. Here's the dream. Joseph interprets the dream. And in less than this three-hour time span, from the jailhouse to number one, to ruler, the dream, it was 20 years. He was 17 in Genesis 20, 30, 37, and in Genesis 40, he's 37. The dream did not die. The dream did not fade away. Maybe in Joseph's mind, he thought it's never going to happen. They have totally forgotten me. It's no use. I'm going to end my days in this jail cell. It's never too late. God can turn it around in a heartbeat. Don't lose hope. Do not lose hope. Do not lose hope. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's stand and pray. I want to encourage you. I, I really felt this morning as I was preparing yesterday, God wants to restore some hope. God wants to restore some hope this morning. Some of us, Myself included. Sometimes we can get weary. We can think, oh, it's beyond hope now. But it is, you can, you're never beyond hope. Never beyond hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for the dreams and the callings and the passions that you've put inside each one of us. And God, sometimes we can be tested and tried. What we might seem is beyond our capacity. Oh, but God, you see all things. And you know all things. And this morning, you're just saying to us, you're never beyond hope. You are never beyond hope. And God says this morning, bring that dream back to life. Begin again filling your mind 
with my word, what I've spoken over you, what I've said about you. Start remembering who you are. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just lift up our dreams and our passions to you right now. Lord, I just, Lord, just ask that the breath of your Spirit would just blow upon us this morning. God, that, that, that breath that brings life. And Lord, I just, just declare your life to dreams, your life to the visions, to the passions that each one of us have. Breathe your life again. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you.